are listening to Cold Lake Community Church Podcast. I hope today's message inspires you. Cold Lake Community Church, a place where families come together. So um, the title of my sermon today is Think Like a Child of God. And so I just want to talk about... I guess thinking in general today and how messed up our thinking can get by the world and what we can do about it. That's the eight-second synopsis. Um, I always like to start off with something entertaining. This has nothing to do with my sermon, but I thought it was a great Pentecostal joke slash better reception. (laughs) Yeah, that has nothing to do with what I'm going to talk about. So I'll move on now. So repetition. Um, We learn by repetition, and this was figured out a long time ago. And modern science has shown us that when we repeat a task over and over again, it forms a new neural pathway in our brain. And once you've established that pathway, it's easier to travel down that pathway again. It's hard to make one, easy to travel down it again. Um, Good news and bad news. The bad news is if we have a negative way of thinking and we forge those pathways, it's easier to travel down those pathways again. And we don't want to do that. And so, you know, it makes sense to me that we... Once we start to think a certain way, we will continue to think that way until we learn something new or are forced to think in a different way. Now, as a child of God, upon salvation, we get new pathways in our brain, but we still have to travel down them. So today I want to look at some of the common ways Satan tempts people and some common thought problems we have and then how we can break free from those. So the good news is um, that while Satan does understand us very well, and he's quite clever at, at tempting us. At the end of the day, he's really quite predictable because um, people are quite predictable, I guess, is what it boils down to. And once he has us deceived, then he can bat us around for a while. And so then we need to break that power of deception because deception only works as long as you're deceived. As soon as you figure out you're being deceived, of course, then you know the truth and the truth will set us free. And so he only has that power as long as we're being deceived. But he's figured out a long time ago there's some common things that he can do that most people will respond to. Because there's ways, you know, that we all interact with each other. We interact with our inner spirits, interact with God. And so he tees off on those and tries to to use those against us. But if we can start to see those patterns in our life, then we can start to recognize them when they happen. And we can get ahead of the game that way. So the first thing I want to look at in the Bible today is the temptation of Christ. Because I think there's a lot we can learn from those few verses, we can see what, um, what Satan did with Jesus in order to try to tempt him. And so we're reading from Matthew 4, verses 4 to 11 today. If you want to grab your Bibles, if not, it's, uh, it's up on the screen here. Starting in verse 4. No, verse 1. I apologize. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him up to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. Verse 7, Jesus said to him, Again it is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory, and said to him, All these I will give to you if you fall down and worship me. And then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall not worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. 
Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. So I want to go back real quick, um, just to verse 4. Up there it says, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. And that's a direct quote from Jesus from Deuteronomy 8.13. And actually, my wife and I were talking about this the other day. We have the Old Testament and the New Testament. And by calling it the Old Testament, we kind of make it sound outdated and not as much use and stuff like that. And I do understand, you know, the New Testament is about Jesus and salvation and the Holy Spirit, and we need all that stuff. But the New Testament continually references the Old Testament. The New Testament is built on top of the Old Testament, and we need the Old Testament. You can see Jesus here. When he was tempted by Satan, he responded with the Bible every time. So if we know our Bible, then we will see these attacks coming, and we will be able to better respond to them. And so that was temptation one, he responded. And then if you look at temptation two really briefly... Um, Satan uses the Bible, a Bible verse against Jesus and says, hey, well, the Bible says this, why don't we do that? And Jesus responds, you shall not put the Lord your God to the test. So there was a misapplication of a Bible verse followed by the proper application of a Bible verse by Jesus. And then the last one, once again, he just says, you know, if you worship me, I'll give you all this stuff. And Jesus responds once again with the word of God. And that's the best way to combat the enemy. But I want to look in more detail at each of the temptations. So there was three ones that happened there. One was turn these stones into bread, uh, throw yourself to the temple, and then worship me. So turn these stones into bread. When I was thinking about this, uh, when I was getting ready, it's like, okay, you know, could Jesus have turned those stones to bread? Absolutely. Jesus can do anything. That wouldn't have even been hard for him. So then the question is, should he have done it? I would say obviously not, or he would have, which then the following question from that is, why didn't he do it? You know, what can we take from this? And I think... You know, Jesus had authority on the earth to do many things, but he also had a mission from God, and he was supposed to do certain things. And he said, I only do what I see the Father doing. So in this case, this is not what the Father wanted him to do. Had he stepped out in his own power and done this, that would have been a sin, right? And so we can't, and he lived a sinless life, and so he wasn't willing to do that. And so now we have been given authority on this earth, and we need to properly use that authority. So when God gives us authority... It's to accomplish a task that he has set out for us. The Holy Spirit led Jesus in this case, and as children of God, we need to allow the Holy Spirit to lead us in that same way. The second temptation, throw yourself from the temple. Jesus' response, you shall not tempt the Lord your God, and I think in in those words is the key for this one. We have this common thinking today, and and I'm I'm not saying that any of you have it, but I've heard it lots, I've read it, and they don't say it directly, but they imply that really God's out there to give us stuff. You know, God loves us and he wants to bless you, so he's going to give you stuff. And while technically each one of those sentences is true, the implication out of that is, the best way I've heard it, like is a cosmic vending machine idea of God. So you say the right combination of prayers and you put the money in the offering basket and out the bottom comes what you're looking for. And that's a very small view of God. That really cheapens him. The key is God is in charge. We are under him. So when God gives us stuff, once again, it's to accomplish what he has set up before us. That doesn't mean we don't get to enjoy the things he has. That doesn't mean he doesn't love us and he doesn't want to bless us. It just means that there's more to this than getting stuff out of God. And sometimes people will say, um, you know, Lord, if you do this for me, then I'll know that you love me. And that's exactly the same thing that Satan was trying to get Jesus to do here, trying to force God's hand into doing what we want instead of us doing what God wants. 
you know, and unfortunately, and I've thought like this before, and, and I'm sure it's happened to you too, but if you think about it as a parent with your kids, if your kids came up to you and said, if you give me candy, I'll know you love me. Would you let them get away with that? I wouldn't. They'd be like, I guess I don't love you then, right? <laughs> that's, that's what they get out of that. And, and we're doing the same thing to God there, and we need to, to remember that's just, that's just not okay in the same way that kids interact with parents and we want to interact with God. Uh, and number three, worship me. I mean, I think this one at this point, Satan's getting desperate. You know, the, the sly ones haven't worked. This one's pretty obvious, right? The Bible says we're to have one God and we're to worship him only. So it's a pretty blatant one when he comes, look, you know, I'll give you all this power. And I think it's kind of funny that Satan tries to tempt the all-powerful with power and glory. But I think it's very, very important. Hebrews 4.15 says... For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. So Jesus has gone through all these temptations that we've gone through, and he is there to help us when we need him. But the fact is, I'm kind of jumping ahead of myself, the fact is we are created to worship, and if we don't worship God, we're going to worship something else. So modern society gives us athletes, movie stars, stuff like that to worship, and it doesn't have to be people. We can worship money and things and activities, and all that other stuff. But any time we put anything other than God in the place of ultimate importance in our life, then we're not worshiping the right thing. And that was the key there. So moving on from the temptation of Christ, I just wanted to look at, at a few common attacks that the enemy tries to use against us, and just so that you can start to recognize them when they, when they start to come against you. And so I want to look at base physical and emotional needs, using the past against us, and tactics of isolation. The first one, base, physical, emotional needs. Once again, there's so many that I could talk about here. I just chose three really quick. Acceptance, food, and intimacy. So we are made to live in community. We are not made to be alone. And so it's just natural to seek out relationships with others. And of course, you do want to be liked by others, and there's nothing wrong with that. When it becomes wrong is when you're willing to compromise who you are and your ethics and your morals in order to gain that acceptance. So... The question then becomes is, where is your identity? If your identity is in Christ and your, identity, or your acceptance comes from God first, then the acceptance of other people won't be as important to you and you'll be able to maintain who you are. And you know what you find out? If you live who you are, you'll be accepted by the people you need to be accepted by. Right? Because if you go seeking acceptance, you generally go seeking from the wrong people to find that acceptance. But if your identity is in Christ first and people second, then you can maintain that proper way of thinking. When it comes to food, um, I'm talking about food because it's something I struggle with all the time. A child of God says that food is good for sustenance, and yes, it can taste really good, but in moderation. Satan says use food to comfort yourself when things are going bad, right? Because food does trigger a chemical response in your brain, and it causes pleasure. Is the, it triggers the pleasure center in your brain, right? And food is good. I love eating, but it has a place and it has a purpose. So the proper application of food is what we need. The misappropriation of it is to use it outside that goal. And Proverbs 23, 21 says, For the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. And the last one is intimacy. Um, so beyond the need for acceptance, we, we crave those closer relationships, especially the one I want to talk about is husband-wife. And, so, and so I want to talk about, I guess, sexual intimacy. And Satan tries to misuse the, the base desire we have for sexual intimacy. So how do we deal with that? Job said, I will not allow myself to look lustfully at a young girl. 
So the proper application of sexuality is between one man and one woman within the confines of marriage. And of course, that's not what society preaches. You watch TV, that's a rarity now. Usually it's, it's just moving from person to person to person, and that's the misapplication of it. So when things aren't going well in that department at home, then the Satan tries to tempt us with those around us. Well, I think it would be better if I was with this person because things aren't going at home, right? And nothing could be further from the truth. And I do remember um, I was listening to a podcast once, and the pastor was talking a story about this. And so he was in, in Asia somewhere in some giant airport, and he had a long layover, so he had to go collect his luggage. So he's sitting on one of those chairs surrounded by his luggage waiting for his next flight. And some girl just walks up, sits down beside him and says, hey, we should go get a hotel room and we can do all these things. And he's like, I was shocked at first. He says, because I'm not the guy that happens to him. Five foot nine and Harry is a Wookiee. Girls don't just come up to me. And he says, here's this girl saying this. And I'm like, I'm shocked. And he said, I didn't quite know what to do. So I thought, okay, I'm being tempted. What's the, what's the biblical application to this? We started thinking. He said, okay, Joseph's in Potiphar's house. Potiphar's wife comes on to him, and he runs away. So he jumps up, grabs his luggage, and takes off down the concourse to get away from her. And this girl's like, hey, I'm not done talking to you. He's like, oh, yes, you are. And he ran, and he took off down the thing. So he fled from temptation. And, uh, and he talked about it afterwards. He said, you know, could I have gotten away with it? He says, I'm sure I could have. I was halfway around the world. Nobody knew who I was. He said, but... That I would compromise my marriage for one afternoon or a few moments. He said, that doesn't make sense. And so a child of God knows the proper application of the sexuality. One man, one woman, within the confines of marriage. Satan says, ah, do whatever feels good. So does anyone recognize this quote? You need to put your past in your behind. I put a really big hint on the page there. If you've seen The Lion King... Right? So Simba has his bad event there with his dad and his uncle, and his uncle tells him to run away. So then he runs off, and he runs into Timon and Pumbaa. And he's like, saying, oh, man, I got all these bad things in my past. And they're like, ah, it doesn't matter. Hakuna Matata. Right? It doesn't matter. So then he, uh, he lives that life for a few years. But if you've seen the movie, you know that Hakuna Matata is not the answer. And at some point, his past does come back, and he's got to go back and deal with his past before he can become who he's supposed to be. Right? And it's the same thing for us. Satan loves to bring up our past mistakes because we all have decisions we've made that haunt us. Right? And Satan loves to bring, I can't believe you did that. You know, a good Christian, he wouldn't do stuff like that. He brings that up again and again. But we need to remember that as a child of God, when we've asked for forgiveness, it's gone. God will never bring it up again. Psalms 103.12, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. So when our past comes up, your spouse may bring it up, your friends may bring it up, Satan will bring it up, God is not going to bring it up. So if it comes up like that, it is not God coming after you for something you've done in your past. If it's been forgiven, it's gone, and you don't have to worry about it. And the last one I wanted to talk about uh, briefly was isolation. So you need to think of, uh, we've all watched the Discovery Channel, right, and the, the lions go after the herd, and they try to separate out one from the herd. Because once they get one alone, then they can gang up and they can take it down. But as long as they have the herd together, it's really hard for them to get at one. And, and Satan wants to do the same kind of thing. And I did hear a pastor talking about it one time. And I was really impressed at what he said. He said, you know, when I'm standing up here, and I know all of you, you know, and he said, I, I see things are going really, really well. And then I'll see someone start to withdraw. You know, maybe not come every time or... You know, not show up for Bible study or something like that. And he said, 
He said, so I've seen it often enough now that I can tell something's going on. And so if I come to you and I say, hey, how are things going? Are, are you having any issues? I, I noticed you've been pulling back a bit. He says, I'm not coming after you for the purposes of getting on your case. You're a bad Christian. You need to come to church every Sunday. He says, I'm coming to you because I care about you and I love you and I've seen this over and over again and I've seen the enemy use this isolation tactic to get at people. So what he's trying to do then is he pulls away and then he can start messing with your thinking because you have no one to bounce your thinking off of, right? So if you're all by yourself, he starts introducing these thoughts over and over and over again. And the problem with that repetition, right, it starts to make sense after a while. Maybe I am a bad person. Maybe God doesn't really love me. But if you stay inside that community of believers, then you can, even in just in general conversation, you'll be amazed at what comes up that can clarify your thinking and keep you thinking on that right path. Um, yeah, so when, when things are going poorly, pulling away is the wrong thing to do. And one of the reasons we want to pull away again there is because sin causes shame. And shame wants it, causes us to want to pull away. But we all have sin in our lives. Forgiveness is available. And church is important. And we need to come. And it's not just church. It's about being around like-minded believers. So what, what can we do about all of this? Uh, I always want to put something practical in sermons. So we need to look um, very carefully at our input, what we're putting into ourselves. So Geigo is a term that means garbage in, garbage out. And it's from the computer programming age a long time ago when they first started writing what you would call real programs for computers. They learned really quick that computers are actually very stupid. They will only do exactly what they're told to do. So you can write this great program, but if you feed garbage data in the front, you will get garbage results out the backside. It won't fix anything on the way through or anything like that. And so they coined that term. So we need to be very, very careful on what we input into our lives. And so uh, when you're reading a book or listening to the radio or watching TV or movies, uh, don't kid yourself, it's not just entertainment. The people that are making those things are selling a worldview to you. And it's usually, very often, not a Christian worldview. Thankfully, Hollywood has figured out that Christians have money too, so they've started making some Christian movies, and we've seen Heaven is for Real, and... Um, uh, sorry? God's oh, not dead. That just came out. Yeah, I just heard about that actually uh, the other day. Um, no, I'm thinking that um, Kurt Cameron, the fatherhood one with the gun, whatever. Bullet, what? Courageous. Thank you. That shouldn't have been so hard. Okay, <laughs> moving on. So they're actually making these movies now because they know Christians will spend money and go see them. And that's great because it gets the word of God out there. Even if it's not 100% accurate, people say, well, they shouldn't have done that in the movie. Hey, the gospel is being preached. We need to be thankful. Having said that, most of the time it's not. <laughs> most of the time it's garbage. And if we're taking that in once again, we're starting to learn that and it can be started to accept it. And so the fact is ideas have consequences. And I had two that I thought of real quick. And I don't know if you recognize the triangle. That's Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And I, I remember being taught this in school. And so this guy, he studied what he called were the best of the best people out there. And this is what he came up with how people think and how people should think. So we need to deal with our base physiological needs first, so, you know, food, shelter, that kind of stuff, and then safety's next, so you don't want to have to worry about your life every day. Then you move on to your social needs, so that's family, community, satisfy those needs, and then you can work on esteem. And the problem with esteem is that's when you tell yourself how good you are. You say, I love me, and I'm a good person, and, and you do all that stuff. Of course, if you've read the Bible, you know you're not a good person. You're a sinner, and you need salvation, right? So, and then you move on to self-actualization. Does anyone actually know what that means? 
No, because it doesn't mean anything, right? So he, de he defines it as what man may become, man must become, which sounds very bold and, and wonderful, but it's that whole pulling yourself up by your bootstraps. And the problem with this line of thinking is when it, you get towards the top, you start looking in for the answers. Anytime you look in for the answers, you will find the wrong answer. We need to look out to God for the right answers. The heart is deceptive and wicked. Who can trust it? When you look inside, you will find the wrong answer. And this was taught for, I don't know, 20, 30 years. This was accepted as truth. And then people did some, some base sociological and psychological studies on it, and they realized, actually, this is not true at all. This is something some guy made up. It was accepted by society for some reason and taught for years. It's completely not true. And so you need to be careful when people are presenting these ideas to you. The other one that occurred to me, um, and I guess it's the point of, of all that I'm saying here, man is trying to put himself on top of God here. And I talked about it early, God, then us. And anytime we try to put ourselves on top of God, it's not going to work out. And the other one that came up to me um, was um, formula versus breastfeeding. Back in the 70s, women were actively discouraged from breastfeeding. They said, hey, man has come up with this formula, and it's better than what we have now. And of course, it didn't last all that long. And, you know, some women do have trouble with breastfeeding, and it's great that we have formula as a backup. But when it comes down to it, breastfeeding is way better for our babies. And it was like, it took them 10, 15 years to figure that out. And now they have, like, breastfeeding support clubs and nurses that will come to your home to help because they realize just how important it is. And, and even the food industry now, if you look at the food industry, everything's natural. Everything's going back to as natural as it can possibly be, minimal processing and all that other stuff because people are figuring out that what God has given us is actually really good for us. So we need positive input. Where can we get positive input? Romans 12, 12 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. So that's the Bible. I would say that would be our number one source of positive input. We need to study the Bible. And I know sometimes it's hard. It can be hard to get into and it can be hard to understand, especially at the beginning. But um, in the digital age we live in, there's really no excuse anymore. There are so many study tools. I'm a podcast kind of guy. I've listened to hundreds and hundreds of podcasts on all kinds of topics around Christianity just to help me understand more what's going on. Um, there is digital, or sorry, uh, audio Bibles. Lots of guys drive back and forth to work, spend lots of time on the highway. There's your perfect opportunity, right? Put in your earbuds, turn on the audio Bible. Yeah, you won't catch all of it, but even if you catch one verse that morning or that afternoon, one verse that impacts your life, that hour, hour and a half listening to the audio Bible is, is automatically worth it. So we need to renew our mind daily because we are bombarded constantly by these competing ideas from the world. So we need time in the Word or time with God on a daily basis. So things like worship and prayer, it is so awesome to put on worship music in your home. It can change the atmosphere in your home and praying to God. And then finally, meeting with like-minded believers. And I talked about this already a little bit in the isolation section. The Bible says, do not forsake the meeting of the brethren. And there has been some ideas I've heard um, from guys in the States where there was this trend. It's like, hey, if I go out for coffee with someone on Sunday morning and we talk about God for a couple minutes, that counts as church. That is not church. That's going out for coffee, right? Church has aspects to it that make it a church service and this is going back to the jewish people there was always times of worship there was always times of prayer there was always times of teaching with a body of like-minded believers that's what church is and it's so important to continue to come to church okay so we have positive input and we're removing negative input so now what well 
the good news is there is help, and this is where really the Holy Spirit takes over. Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be in fear or dread of them, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Now, this specific verse is when Joshua is taking over from Moses just before they go into the promised land and they're scared of the giant people there. But it's repeated in Hebrews 13.5, which says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we need to remember that God will never leave us nor forsake us. And that's a verse you can put in your pocket and pull it all the time. Right? That footprints poem that's hanging in everyone's house. Yeah, you get tired of it after a while. But there's a kernel of truth in there that you can grab a hold of. When times are tough, God is not going to abandon you. God is going to stay with you. And it's important to remember that. And so what really helped me when I was dealing with this thinking and with spiritual issues was a book called The Bondage Breaker by Neil Anderson. And so in this book, he focuses on cleaning out past spiritual influences that hold us back. And it's a very well-written book, and, and I sure appreciate it. It's, uh, it's easy to follow. We did it as a book study as our church group when we lived in the north. And uh, I'll tell you how, how it helped me. So in his book, he goes through, in, in a lot greater detail than I did this morning, a lot of common ways that the enemy attacks us and how to deal with it. And then when you get to the back of the book, he has processes and sample prayers that you can go through to help deal with whatever issue that you're going through. And so I had my issue, and there was a, a section on that, so I, and I really remember it. I, I knelt at the side of my bed, and I'm pretty sure it says in the book that you should kneel because that's an act of humility. You are coming to God and saying, I can't do it alone. I need help. And so then he had this sample prayer, and so I prayed through the sample prayer. It only takes a minute or two to go through the process, and I didn't feel anything extra really than other what I, I feel normally when I pray. And it's like, Okay, and I closed the book, and I kind of went on, and it wasn't until, and I guess if I could back up a bit, the, most of these situations, when you get them, right, you have, you have sin, you have repentance, and then you have what feels like temporary victory that only lasts a short time, and then the temptation comes back, then there's sin, temptation, or sorry, temptation, sin, repentance, and you end up in this vicious cycle, and it can really lead to hopelessness, right? Like, I can't conquer this alone, and, and the fact is you can't. This is where the Holy Spirit comes in, right? And so that's what I felt like, and I was getting to that hopeless stage. And so I said that prayer, and a few weeks later, I just just came to me all of a sudden, like, wait a minute, I'm not struggling with this anymore. You know, the Holy Spirit dealt with me so gently and so graciously. It doesn't have to be this horrible event when we're dealing with spiritual issues. And Neil Anderson talks about that. He said, you know, I've seen so many weird manifestations and all that other stuff. He said, that isn't what we need to do. That's giving power to the Spirit and to the enemy. We don't have to deal with any of that. The Holy Spirit is in charge. And as long as the Holy Spirit is in charge, we don't have to have any of that happening. And, you know, it was just such a gracious, beautiful thing for me. And I, I walked in freedom from then on. But what I will tell you <laughs> is about six months later, that temptation came back with a vengeance. Like I had never experienced it before. And, and my wife was walking with me through this whole time. And so I was able to, to go talk to her. and like, I can't believe this. This is eating at me like it's never never been before. I've never experienced anything like this. But you know what? It only lasted a couple of days, and then it left again. We need to be able to resist that temptation. And what helped me, like I said, having someone to walk with me so we don't go it alone. And also the fact is, I'd been down that road before. I knew where it led, and I didn't want to go back there again. Right? I'd learned my lesson, beaten up enough by it. And so I was, you're able to resist that. And I'll be honest with you, every now and again, it comes back and still comes back. Because once Satan has claimed area in your life, he doesn't want to let it go. So when you take it from him, because he won't let it go willingly, and it's not our power, right? It's the Holy Spirit. It's God's power that steps in and takes over. He's not going to be happy about that, and he's going to keep on you for that. 
So, I guess I'm just kind of coming to a close here. And I just want to say, you know, that freedom is available to those who seek it. No matter what has happened in the past and, and how things have gone, God is there, God loves us, and He wants the best for us. And He is willing to work with us if we are willing to work with Him. And so if you are a child of God, and you want your thinking changed, then I would say start today. Start renewing your mind. Pray to God and say, look, I don't want this worldly thinking anymore. I tell it to go away in Jesus' name. God, fill me with your thinking. Show me how you feel about this. Investigate in the Word, topics of that. Like it's, it's so easy now. You can Google, just type in Bible and a topic, and it'll give you the verses available for that topic. It's so easy to find that stuff. And you can start to see what God has doing. Now, of course, in your mind, when you're choosing these new pathways, when you're forging them, they're just a small dirt road to start with. But if you travel them again and again and again, you can build those freeways in your mind. And then you can travel those freeways a lot easier. If you are not a child of God, if you're not a Christian, the good news is you can become one right now. God's offer stands all the time. The gospel is that God created the heavens and the earth. He put man into his perfect creation. Man sinned. Man separated himself from God with that sin. And the wages of sin are death. And so then in the Old Testament, they had their, their sacrifices that they did where they would transfer their sins onto an animal, and the animal paid the price for their sins. Then came Jesus, who lived the perfect, sinful life for all of us. He died on the cross for all of our sins, past, present, and future. And that's what is available to you today. That's the new covenant from God, is that Jesus has paid the price for our sins. He died on the cross. He conquered sin by rising again. And if you have that, once you have Jesus in your life, then you can ask God to start renewing your mind, and you get the Holy Spirit. And it's a beautiful thing. Now, if that sounds like something you're interested in, I'll be up here at the front afterwards, and one of the other board members, John, will be up here. You can come up, and we'll pray with you, we'll pray with you about whatever you want to pray with. But if you're looking for Jesus, come on up and talk to us. We'd be happy to welcome you into the kingdom of God. We hope you've been blessed by this teaching from Coley Community Church. Thank you for your continued support of this ministry. Coley Community Church, a place where families come together.